Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Rabbies Podcast. I'm Gav. And I'm Jodie. And we will be looking to bring you a regular show across as many available listening platforms as possible. You'll be able to find us on the likes of Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Amazon too. The plan is to bring you the life of a Rabbies driver guide with a light-hearted mix of events throughout Scottish history and a sprinkling of various other things as well. And we'll tell you about the things that we do on our tours with Rabbies. And we'll talk about some of the tours that we actually go on. Um, we've got so many people within our company that are driver guides. So many different characters with different stories, different backgrounds. I, I often like to think of us as a, a group of misfits that have been thrown together. But we all have a, a real passion for our job, our line of work, our country and I think it merges very well. So we'll be looking to bring on some of our colleagues um, in, in due course, talk about various things that the, the company itself is involved in. Some of you might be previous passengers that we've had on our tour. Some of you might be considering a Rabbi's tour, or some of you might have just typed in the wrong thing uh, and you've ended up on this podcast. But we are delighted that you are taking the time to listen to us. Um, this is not something we've ever done before, um, but we're going to give it a good shot. And I think that's the, the best way to look at life as well. Now, this podcast is not about myself or Jody, but we feel the best way to get things started so you know who the hosts are is um, a little, little question round of Meet the Driver Guide. So, Jody, I believe that you would like to kick things off. Question number one. How did you get into guiding? I have a, a family friend who works for Rabbies who um, suggested that I at least consider this uh, this line of work um, given a lot of my jobs previously have always involved dealing with the public. Um, I'm quite a, an outgoing character in general. Not a loud one, admittedly, but believe it or not. Um, but I like having fun. I like meeting people. I like interacting um, I love learning about things as well. And I'd admittedly kind of lost my way a little bit in life before, um, career-wise. I, um, I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do. This opportunity or this challenge came up um, of moving to a new city, because I'm not a local like some of us are. Um, moved down to a new city take it on um, and, and see where it went. And I have to say it's probably the best decision I've ever made. Um, I found a job that I truly enjoy. Um, that's all thanks to good workmates, amazing places to visit, lots of learning, um, a company that truly cares about their staff as well. Um, not too many of them are kicking around, um, but there's no complaints here on that side. Um, and also the the people that I've met on the tours. Uh, so you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Yes. Um, how did <laughs> how did you start on this path? Um, well, I have always loved history. I'm a big big geek when it comes to Scottish history. I went to Stirling University, and I've got a degree in Scottish history. And really, the only uh, options with that when it comes to jobs is become a teacher or a tour guide 
So, here I am, guiding one. Um, I became a guide for one of the um, the ghost tour companies, but my face really doesn't scare very much. Usually I was more scared than anybody else, so I, <laughs> I wasn't very good at that. Um, but I've I, seen you as pale as a ghost before. <laughs> I'm very pale. It's frightening. Jodie, the friendly ghost. Exactly, exactly. No tan. Except when my freckles join up. It's a bit strange. Um, and yeah, I, I tried to get a proper job down in London for a while in an office and decided that was not for me. So I came back up and I joined Rabbies four years ago and I've never looked back. I love it. And you're one of the best that we have. Okay, so I have a question for you. Oh, another one? All right. Another one. Where is your favourite location on any Rabbies tour? That you've done so far. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think it absolutely has to be Ardrick Castle. That is day four of the five-day Orkney and Northern Highlands tour. And it is just spectacular. Usually you get there just as the sun's about to set and... It's just got so much history and the scenery is spectacular. Quite spooky there, isn't it? Really spooky. I've only been once so far, but I was rather scared. I'll take you again, Gaff. I promise I'll try not to scare you. <laughs> and how about you? Where's your favourite place to go on a um, rabbit tour? So far, so I really enjoy going to lots of places, of course. Um, if I have to pick one absolute favourite, I would probably say Loch Kurisk on the Isle of Skye. Now... I've been there on the four-day Isle of Skye tour, um, and that's usually on day two or three, uh, depending on the, the time of year. Um, you, take a, you take a wee boat across the water uh, into the surroundings of a former volcano. Um, for me, it's nature, it's tranquility, there's wildlife there. Um, it's amazing escapism from city life. Um, I'm I'm not a city boy. I have been living here for a little while now, but I'm very much someone who enjoys being out uh, in the wild. Um, so for me personally, um, going to Loch Kurisk um, on that tour, I don't think I'm the only one uh, with with that opinion. Um, we've seen dolphins at sunset at times, and I wish I could be there right now. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I should also say the people that take us there are lovely as well. So, uh, yeah, that's probably my favourite uh, place in Scotland so far. Stalker's Stories. Hi, everyone. Jodie here. Well, actually, my name is Jodie Stalker. That's right. Stalker by name, stalker by nature. And I'm going to be telling you a story from Scotland's history. So here we go. Today, I'm going to tell you about one of my favourite Scottish women, Agnes Randolph. Our story begins in 1312, with the birth of a bonny, black-haired wee girl called Agnes. She was the daughter of Thomas Randolph, Earl of Murray, and Isabel Stuart. Agnes was born at the height of the Wars of Independence in Scotland in the 14th century. Her father was a great hero, winning back Edinburgh Castle from the English garrison with just seven men. And her mother was the daughter of the High Steward of Scotland. 
1324, at just 12 years old, Agnes was married to Patrick, Earl of Dunbar, who was 27 years her senior. That would be like Gary Oldman for me, but he's not really my type. I much prefer Hugh Jackman. But hey, I digress. Anyway, in 1333, Berwick was occupied by King Edward I of England and his forces, and Patrick joined the English side. I know, boo, hiss. But Agnes and Patrick were granted permission to build up the defences of Dunbar Castle. Once the work was completed, Patrick switched sides and fought for Scotland once again. This changing of sides happened quite often during the Wars of Independence. But on this occasion, it really upset Edward I. In 1338, Patrick kissed his wife goodbye and left home to go and fight elsewhere in Scotland. Agnes was left alone to care for Dunbar Castle and the townspeople. William Montague, Earl of Salisbury, thought this would be a wonderful opportunity to teach the Dunbars a lesson by laying siege to their castle. A force of 20,000 English soldiers appeared on the horizon. Agnes and her servants and a few guards watched with dread as the English troops gathered outside the walls. The Earl of Salisbury must have thought this would be the quickest and easiest siege of his career, but he hadn't reckoned on Agnes. The Earl arrogantly strode up to the closed castle gates and began to yell, Agnes! Agnes, we have your castle surrounded. We have 20,000 men. You have a dozen. You cannot win. Hand us the keys to the castle now and no one will get hurt. Agnes appeared on the ramparts, her black hair waving in the wind. She smiled at the earl and shouted back, Of Scotland's king I hud my house. I pay him meat and fee and I will keep my good house while my house will keep me. And with that, she turned on her heel and walked back inside the castle. With a snarl, the Earl ordered his men to prepare the cannons. For seven days and seven nights, the English bombarded Dunbar Castle, catapulting huge boulders and lead shot against the ramparts. This was met with disdain by Agnes and her ladies. Between bombardments, Agnes and her ladies would dress in their finest robes and walk onto the ramparts and dust the walls with their scarfs. This infuriated the Earl, which only made Agnes more determined to show him what Scottish women were made of. Next, Salisbury ordered his men to prepare the sow. This was an enormous siege tower that would help his men climb the castle walls. Agnes took care of this problem by telling her men to drop Salisbury's own boulders on top of the tower, crushing it to smithereens. Unable to take the castle by force, Salisbury tried his hand at cunning. I imagine him to be a bit like Blackadder in the first season, i.e. not cunning at all. He bribed a Scottish guard to open the castle gate, the guard took the Earl's money and promptly told Agnes about the plan. Agnes told the guard to open the gate and as soon as the English soldiers ran in, she dropped the gate. She had planned to trap the Earl himself, but one of his men pushed ahead at the last minute. 
Agnes taunted the Earl. Farewell, Montague. I had intended that you should have supped with us and assist us in defending the castle against the English. The Earl was furious. How could a woman be besting him? Frustrated, the Earl managed to capture Agnes's wee brother, John, the Earl of Murray. He was just 12. He was brought back to Dunbar and paraded in front of the castle. The English threw a rope around his neck and threatened to hang him in full view of the castle. Agnes stared from the ramparts, her black eyes fixing on the Earl, and a smile played around her lips. How lovely, she cried. With my wee brother gone, I'll inherit his lands and titles in Murray. The Earl and his men were speechless. Even the Scots shuffled nervously. Poor John stared in horror at his sister. They weren't to know that Agnes was lying and she was not actually in line to succeed to the earldom of Murray. She wouldn't be the first sister to enjoy a bit of revenge on an annoying wee brother, would she? Anyway, the bluff worked and John was released. Finally, Salisbury decided to try and starve Agnes and her people out, but he didn't bank on the awesome-named Ramsay of Dalhousie and his band of 40 merry men. They got wind of what the English were up to and sailed from Edinburgh down to Dunbar and entered the castle by the back gate, unseen by the English troops. Ramsay's men stormed out of the castle and pushed the English back to their camp. After five long months, Salisbury finally admitted to defeat with the words... Cam I early, cam I late, I found Agnes at the gate. The failed siege of Dunbar had cost the English £6,000, which in today's money is a mind-blowing £3,679,929.60. Agnes was given the nickname Black Agnes by the English for her black heart. Meanwhile, in Scotland... She is a celebrated hero and called Black Agnes for her flowing black hair. So the moral of this tale is never pick a fight with a Scotswoman because you won't win. Harrison's Havers. Now in this section of the podcast, I like to find quirky and strange stories about Scotland. Not always historical, uh, sometimes modern day, um, but just things that you perhaps didn't know and things that Scottish people might not even know. Um, I've discovered quite a few of these um, since I started my my job with Rabbies, um, and so I'd just like to share some of them with you. Now, the first one. Scotland has the shortest commercial flight anywhere in the world. Now, we as a country have many claims to fame, and this is one of them. Now, it's not a flight that I've managed to do just yet. It's just a small aeroplane. I think it fits about eight people. They'd probably struggle to fit me in there, given my height and width. Um, Probably have my feet dangling out the bottom, a bit like Fred Flintstone. Um, But you never know, it might become a reality one day. Now, this flight is 80 seconds long, and it's between Papa Westray and Westray, which are two of 70 islands in the Orkney Islands to the north of Scotland. Now, 80 seconds. Now, some of my friends could probably think of a few things to do to fill that time, 
Um, going on a plane, you wouldn't think it was possible. But the distance, it's an incredible 1.7 miles. Or for those around the world, that's just 2.7 kilometres. Now I looked at how many steps would that be? Jodie, you like your steps, of course. And it turns out it's 3,590.4 steps. Now you'd have trouble walking it um, because there's a stretch of water separating the two runways. Um, you can see the runways from either side. Um, it's not viable to build a bridge there and it's just easier for them to run flights. So you go to the plane or you go to the, the airport. Uh, you can book this through Logan Air. And if you look at the timetable online, it has a departure time of 8.47 and an arrival time of 8.49. So again, it highlights the importance in Scotland of turning up for things on time, such as Rabbi's Tours. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Secondly, one of the things that has been uh, brought to my attention is that there's a piece of tartan on the moon. Now, this is something I'd never heard of before, but quite a few people from the States have said, Gav, there's a piece of tartan on the moon. And so it spiked my curiosity. I thought, there's got to be something behind this story. Was there actually some Scottish tartan on our moon? How did it get there? In 1969, when Apollo 12 flew to the moon, there was a man named Alan Bean who was part of the crew. Now, he had Scottish ancestry leading back to the Clan McBean, a clan stretching back to 1633 in Inverness In tribute to this, and also as a sign of good luck, he took a piece of tartan with him on what was the second lunar landing. They landed on the moon's dusty ocean of storms and stayed there for a day and a half, twice making walks over the mysterious alien landscape. The belief is that he left the tartan on the surface, but it actually remained on board the spaceship and it returned to Earth. Um, it was later donated to varying exhibits such as St. Bean's Chapel in Perthshire and the Scottish Tartan Society. Now, one of the things I never thought I'd find out was Mr. Bean made it to the moon and there would be aliens running around in tartan kilts. Life's full of surprises. Now, it would be rude not to mention that Neil Armstrong also has Scottish ancestry, with Langholm in Dumfries and Galloway being the traditional seat of Clan Armstrong. So it's safe to say that the Scots have made it all around the world, and maybe just a little bit further as well. And last but not least, on Harrison's Havers, when you visit Edinburgh, you might have the opportunity to meet a knight. But what you might not realise is that a knight is a penguin. Because at Edinburgh Zoo, we have Sir Niels Olav, who's a king penguin. He's named after Major Niels Egelin, who organised the original adoption back in 1972 for the then king of Norway, King Olav. Following his adoption, Niels was given the role of mascot for the Norwegian Guard and has quickly moved up the ranks where I believe he's currently a brigadier. Niels is regarded very highly among the Norwegian Guardsmen and has received these honours and medals 
due to his outstanding service and good conduct. It's a good penguin. The guardsmen like to visit Niels every few years when they come to the city to perform at the Edinburgh Military Tattoo. And I believe they last visited in August 2016. Now, there's some other facts that you might not know about Sir Niels. He resides with the rest of the colony in Penguin's Rock, which includes the largest outdoor penguin pool in Europe. In 2005, the zoo was presented with a four-foot-tall bronze statue of Sir Niels, which takes pride of place outside Penguin's Rock. Edinburgh Zoo itself has a long history with penguins in Norway. The Norwegian family of Christian Salveson presented the zoo with its first-ever king penguin in 1913, another reason why Niels is so special. They say that king penguins have a maximum lifespan of 26 years in the wild and 41 years in captivity, and he's still going strong. Now, if you ever visit uh, the city and you can go to Edinburgh Zoo, um, you'll also see the Penguin Parade, which is something quite funny to see. And that is it for Harrison's Havers. Tour of the Week! So this week's Tour of the Week is the Loch Ness, Glencoe and the Highlands Tour. This is the biggie. Um, it's all about myths, monsters and mountains. And it's for those lovely visitors that come to see us, but they don't actually have very much time to spend here in Scotland. Uh, because of the long distances involved, we leave Edinburgh at 8 o'clock in the morning and drive all the way up to Fort Augustus on the southern banks of Loch Ness and then we drive back down we get in about eight o'clock at night so you are spending quite a lot of time on the bus about nine hours um, but the scenery is absolutely spectacular and your guide will be full of stories of Scottish history of uh, monsters and all about the geography that you're seeing along the way as well so although it is a long day, it is a spectacular tour to do. That is the tour of the week. The recommendations round. In this part of the show, Jodie and I will take turnabout in suggesting something for our listeners to perhaps watch, read or listen to. Now this might be in the way of a film, a TV show, a book or even a band or musician. We'll try and mix it up for you. For this episode, I'd like to recommend that you all check out a TV show from Scotland called Still Game. Now, this is a sitcom that ran for nine seasons, with 62 episodes in total. It started way back in 2002 and rounded things off in March 2019. Now, they've also done Christmas specials and live shows as well. Now, it was created by Ford Kiernan and Greg Hempel, who play the lead characters Jack Jarvis and Victor McDade, who are two Glaswegian pensioners living in an area called Craig Lang. Now, they do spend a, a large percentage of the time down at their local pub, which is called The Clansman. And that's where you meet a whole host of different characters, and there's so many varied storylines that never fail to put a smile on your face when you need it the most. It's become commonplace in Scotland to quote the show, myself probably too much on occasion. 
but it's actually also a good way to hear different Scottish accents, some of which you might not be able to understand, but don't worry, they have subtitles available as well. I'd go as far as saying that some of the characters in the show have went on to become national icons. Now you can watch this anywhere in the world if you have access to Netflix, Amazon Prime or the BBC iPlayer. And it's well worth it, even on a rainy day. If you just need something short to put on, just to cheer you up a bit, something to make you think of Scotland, um, still game will do the job for you. Now, there is a little bit of, shall we say, colourful language at times, but generally speaking, it's very easy watching and listening. They don't overstep the mark. Tying it into Rabbies, there's an episode where Jack and Victor win a competition to visit a whiskey distillery. Funnily enough, the episode is called The Distillery. And they visit Glengoyne Distillery on the show. Now, we go there on our whiskey tours that depart from Glasgow and Edinburgh. So if you ever watch the episode and you come across, you can say, oh, I've seen this. This is great. Another Rabbies link is one of our wonderful colleagues called Ewan McLeod, who appears in the background on one of the episodes. I think it's a party in a flat at New Year and Ewan's shown off his very dance moves that don't quite seem to be a success in real life. But at least he can say he's been in the show. It's very light-hearted humour, and as I said, it's something that will cheer you up when you need it the most. Alright, thank you so much for listening, everyone. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you all, um, and I hope that you enjoyed learning something that maybe you didn't know before. Uh, you enjoyed our, our wee stories and our recommendations, and we hope that you tell all your friends, your family... And we hope to see you on a Rabbi's tour soon. Um, this has been good fun. Rabbi's podcast.